Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins... I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This is actually my stepmom's best friend's story. I do have my own, but I'm very hesitant to drag some of them up. I'm hoping that telling somebody else's will open me up to a little more. Anyway, my stepmom didn't like us much, but she told my sister, three years older, and I this experience growing up to scare us out of being stupid, I guess. It was my family's stranger danger story, I guess you could say. My stepmom, her name's Macy, grew up as a, a kind of a privileged teen in the 70s, and her mum had moved their family over here, the States, from England when she was about nine. She went to a pretty nice high school in a really nice town. There, she made friends with a girl, Lily, who didn't exactly run with Macy's type of crowd. Popular, stereotypical, etc. But they really hit it off and Lily would take Macy out to do her type of stuff like hiking, fishing, sailing. There's even a hilarious set of pictures of them camping. My stepmom has raccoon eyes and looks like she hates everything. Anyway, because of Lily's influence, the two of them would do stuff like that a good amount. And one Sunday, they decided to go hike in some hills about maybe an hour away. Macy put on what I'm sure were her extremely expensive hiking shoes and the two of them drove off to the hiking trails. Lily parked in this big clearing with makeshift parking spots. You know the thing, like a, a piece of wood marking the head of a space. But there were no other cars there and this was only important in hindsight I guess. So they started hiking up the hill, off the path because Lily fancied herself as something of a rebel. The hike was nothing extraordinary. If you asked my stepmom, she would just lament for 15 minutes how sticky and buggy it was. They reached the top of the hill and my stepmom was done. 
The polished and pampered side of her was coming out and she groaned until Lily begrudgingly said okay. They would rest and then walk down again slower. They'd been heading down the hill for maybe 10 minutes when Macy started whinging again. Lily conceded to walking down the side of the road instead of the rough hiking trail. So there they are, probably looking like a couple of tools geared up for hiking and walking down a terrible road and after not even five minutes, a truck pulled up next to them. It was red and rusty and just generally looked like a, an old clunker. The guy driving rolled down the window and the girls looked in through the passenger side window. He had a big beard, a baseball cap pulled down, and long brown hair. He greeted them and even smiled through his beard, asking if they needed a ride. Macy described him as charming and even cute. Lily still says the moment that he greeted them, her heckles went up. Despite her better judgment though, my stepmom convinced her to get into the truck. It must only be a 10 minute drive down to the car top, she said. The two girls opened the passenger's door to this rusty old thing and the guy directed them behind the seat to get into the back. They settled in and the truck started rumbling forwards. Lily always says that this was the point that it hit her what a huge mistake they had just made. The back seat was clean enough but there was a rope on the floor behind the driver's seat and four boxes of sarin wrap half hanging out from under the passenger seat. It seemed creepy and weird but Lily didn't want to freak my stepmom out so she just kept her mouth shut. After 10 minutes the woods didn't look any clearer and they hadn't seen another car the whole time. Lily asked how long he thought that it would be and he said that he was taking a different route down the hill and had to stop somewhere to get something first. That was it too. The girls were 16, 17 and Lily didn't want to press the issue. She was scared. She can remember his hair because she was sitting behind him. He looked like a woodsy guy but his hair was super tangled and dirty. She noticed crusted mud on his collar and tried to find something identifiable about him but just got scared the more that she picked up on all the little details. He was youngish though, strong looking and had about a foot on both of them. They didn't ask any more questions and he didn't offer any more information and they drove on. Several minutes after that, they reached a, a tiny shack or a log cabin looking place right there in the clearing of the trees too. There was an old stump there, someone had been chopping wood and a huge axe stuck into the log. Lily was definitely on red alert now. The guy turned off the truck and slipped out of it saying, I'll be right back, don't get out. And he disappeared into the house. Lily, she tried to talk to my stepmom about how she was incredibly uncomfortable but she mostly just dismissed it. Lily started begging, increasingly freaked out and finally put her foot down, demanding Macy exit the truck with her right now. So they got out and walked around the front of the vehicle. The house was about 50 yards in front of them. Why this guy would have left two young girls in the truck alone while going into the house is beyond me. And they wandered around, looking at it hesitantly. If this guy really was decent and just trying to give them a ride, it would be super rude to just run off, right? My stepmom had this strict upbringing when it comes to manners and public persona and she saw it as an issue of that nature. So she actually started to head back to the truck, opening the front door to climb in behind the driver's seat and Lily was ticked off and followed her to yell some more. On the driver's side floor, half hidden under the seat though, there was a, a big hatchet there, 
and it had dried red-brown stains covering the blade and stuck to the floor under it. Lily understandably lost it at seeing this. My stepmom started getting hysterical too, and so they decided that leaving was by far their best option at this point, and just booked it off the side of the property into the trees. They bumbled around in the trees for a little while, until Lily was fairly confident that they were on their way back down the hill. My stepmom cried all the way down. Lily did feel bad about it, but was also completely freaked out that he would hear it and kept trying to calm her down. When they finally got back down to the bottom and saw the old wooden fence that surrounded the original parking area, they were relieved. But as they got closer, they saw it. There was the truck. It was parked on the other side of the gravelly makeshift lot. And it was just sitting there, facing the other way, innocently. But they couldn't see if anyone was in it, and of course, Macy wanted to run for the car, but Lily was super hesitant. She managed to calm my stepmom down, saying that she wanted to wait a bit before running out into the open to see what was out there. Remember, this is in the 70s too, so there's no cell phones. In fact, there was no ranger station or anyone around. The parking lot was big and empty and open, and... Who knows what would have happened if they decided to stroll across it. Thankfully, Lily convinced my stepmom to chill and the two of them sort of hunkered down against a big tree for a bit, hidden by bushes and other trees and waited it out for what seemed to be a couple of hours. Then, dark started to fall. All the animals started coming out at this point and making noises and my stepmom, predictably, started getting antsy about this and bothering Lily who was tired and moments away from giving in. She was just planning their dash to the car when they heard a clunk. Across the twilight lit lot, they watched as one of the back doors of their car swung open and the bearded guy slid his way out of the back seat. He got out, shut the door, looked around at the surrounding woods for several moments and then walked back to his truck. The truck lumbered past their car and out of sight. Several minutes after watching him drive away, they sprinted to their car as fast as they could, jumped in and they peeled out before they had even shut the doors. If this guy is still alive, then he's really old, but still, be careful out there guys and don't make the same mistake that they did. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So this happened several years ago. I was home alone one evening when I heard a knock at the back door. And this 
really confused me as no one ever used that door. My husband and I lived in a fourplex at the time and all of the units had a back door at the top of a narrow staircase. These doors were a little bit inconvenient to access as you'd have to go around the building and up the narrow stairs as opposed to the wider main entrance at the front. So it just didn't make any sense to use the back entrance and I couldn't think of anyone who would go to that door to visit. Anyway, as I approached the back door, I saw two tall men in the window standing at the door, and a chill instantly went down my spine. I didn't feel safe opening the door, so I called out hello. One of the men, they tapped on the window. Uh, yeah, hello, may we come in? We're with Bresnan. At the time, my husband and I had Bresnan for cable, but didn't have any issues with it. I replied, uh, when not having any issues, is there a problem? Ma'am, the man said, can we come in? We're servicing the area and it's important that we look at your cable. I shook my head, but we're not having any issues, I repeated, so there's no need to stop by. Ma'am, we're visiting every resident. Let us in so that we can do our job. I noticed the man grab the doorknob and try to open the locked door at this point. I slowly grabbed a knife from our knife block and held it at my chest. We're not having any issues, I repeated, trying not to convey shakiness of my voice. So you don't need to be in here. The two figures appeared to shuffle and then sort of straighten. Ma'am, let us in. We're on a deadline and we need to do our job. I glanced at the clock, gauging when my husband would arrive home from work, and I gripped the knife tighter. Ma'am? Ma'am? I saw him try the doorknob again. I closed my eyes and felt overwhelming gratitude of always locking my doors. And just then, a thought came to the forefront of my mind. I'm sorry, I, I can't help you, but could I please get your names and badge numbers? I can give your supervisor a call to let them know that our cable is fine. I heard another shuffle and one of the men replied, uh, No need to, ma'am. We're sorry that we wasted your time. With that... Both of the men exited the staircase and disappeared into the night. Shaken up, I held the knife tight and tried to get my bearings. I remember making a mental note to call the cable company or the police, but my hands were shaking so badly I couldn't even hold my phone. With the knife still grasped to my chest and the phone falling out of the other hand, I sank to the floor and cried. But when my husband returned home, I told him what had happened. I was still very shaken up and started crying again after he came home, and he immediately called the Bresnan Cable Company and spoke to a representative, who informed us that no one from their company was out on an assignment in our area. The next day, we asked our neighbors if they had a visit from the company, but nobody had. My family and I went on a trip to the Hocking Hills area of Southern Ohio a few weeks ago. There was a place that I always wanted to visit, the abandoned ghost town Moonville Rail Tunnel. I've never been to this area so I didn't know what to expect but I did know that it was pretty deep in the woods. We took a trip from our rented cabin using Google for GPS to the location. We start driving and it's, for lack of a better word, real impoverished where we're driving, sort of hills have eyes-esque. We literally only see a few cars on the way there and are on the back roads. But we get to a point where we need to enter into a forest and we're close to the tunnel. There was a sign that said that we were entering Bubblewood. 
for a little bit of additional information too. I drive a Mercedes that I'm just lucky to have and I have my husband in the car, a black man with dreadlocks, my 10-year-old son who is non-verbal autistic and my 6-year-old daughter as well. We drive down this really creepy stone road into the forest and there's really nothing back there. No houses, no cars, nobody. We see signs that we're close and we pull into the parking lot. There's a footbridge with some stuff on it that people put there. We walk over the footbridge and make our way toward the tunnel, which is a lot larger than I expected. We hear this sound coming from the other side of the tunnel that goes into the woods away from the parking lot, and soon a truck comes driving through the tunnel toward us while we're on foot. Whoever's in the truck, he gets out of it with a chainsaw and it's a white guy in his 60s. He walks with my entire family everywhere that we go and even through the tunnel. I tried to make small talk with him and pull some info about if he worked for the Department of Natural Resources or something, but he really wasn't budging. We turn around to walk out of the tunnel and he starts using a chainsaw behind us and the sound is just echoing through this tunnel. At this point, we have no cell phone service and literally nobody knows my family is out there except us. I was already worried my car was sending the wrong idea to people like we have money or something, which we don't. But we rush to the car and get the kids in their booster seats and this guy comes driving over the footbridge in his truck towards us in the parking lot. I honestly don't even know how this truck fit on it. He stops again and gets out of his truck and starts walking the other direction, much to our relief. But it was about this time that I then noticed that there are dusty handprints on my car. I asked my husband if they were a match. I don't know who could have touched the car, honestly, because we were with the chainsaw man the entire time that we were there. But at that, we get out of there as fast as we can. Just a few minutes later, I look into my rearview mirror, though, and... There's a bunch of dust kicked up behind us and there he is. He had to have driven pretty quickly on the stone road to catch up to us like that. I mean, there's nowhere to go in these woods. The road is basically one lane and we have no cell service or GPS or anything now. Every time that I think we lose him as well, he's there again. I'm waiting for my tires to get popped or something or for this guy to ram me off the road into a ravine in the woods, but... Finally, we get out of the woods and I turn out and he's still following. We were following printed directions to get back and I ended up making a, a wrong turn in the excitement, I guess you could say. The guy in the truck was finally gone at this point and I turned around to go back past the stone road that goes into the forest. The guy in the truck was finally gone at this point and I turned around to go back past the stone road that goes into the forest. There's only one lone house near this road and there is his truck parked there. And I mean, he had to have seen us drive onto this road into the woods and taken some back way to the tunnel or something. To this day, I don't know if he was just trying to protect the site from more graffiti or what, but he really creeped us out. It was like every scary movie trope rolled into one single event and it was terrifying to say the least. I want to start by saying that this isn't the first bad experience that I've had dog sitting, but it's definitely the worst. So, I started dog sitting back when I was 13 and 
I made some good money doing it. I'm currently 19 and this happened when I was 18. I set up an easy way for people to contact me about dog sitting. I put out posts on Facebook and Instagram about it often and would sort of get people in my messages asking to dog sit and whatnot. And I got a notification from Instagram one day stating someone was trying to message me. I accepted it and the message said that me and my wife are looking to find a dog sitter while we go away for a week in Florida. You'll have to do the work from the 4th to the 11th this month. We'll pay you $300 for the week. You're welcome to stay at our house or go back to your own home. I started talking back and forth with this man and his name was Mr. Brown. So I agreed to take the gig and told him that I would stay at his house for the week. Once I got to his house, I was introduced to his two dogs, Mina and Letty. Mina was a little Yorkie and Letty was a blue hound. I was shown around his house, which was surrounded by 76 acres. I live in a farm town and I live on 32 acres myself, so staying here didn't really freak me out or anything. The closest neighbors were pretty far away and you would actually have to drive there if you wanted to talk to them, to be honest. They told me the rules and when to feed them and blah 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 and then Mrs. Brown told me about the nearest neighbor and in her words she was a, a nice person, just a little drugged up and confused apparently. She mentioned how sometimes she would pull into their driveway instead of hers and would end up mistaking Mrs. Brown for her dead daughter. Hearing this made me feel pretty bad for her to be honest and I know all too well how hard it is for parents to lose their child because of how my parents were after losing my brother in a car accident. Mrs. Brown said that she shouldn't do anything bad though and if she came up to the house just point her back home and she would leave with no problems. After they left I was down to watch movies and just chill with the dogs and the first two days were fine with no hiccups. The third day, however, Miss Rose did pull into the driveway. I came outside as she was getting out of the car and she looked up to see me and immediately she got back into her car and left. I thought that that was weird, but I chalked it up to her realizing that it was the wrong house when she saw me and went back inside. Later that night, though, I got a call from Mrs. Brown asking if I was okay and I said yeah and I asked why and... She then went on to tell me about how she got a call from Miss Rose and that she said that there was a robber at her house. I explained what happened and she just laughed and said that she must have been confused and forgot that they were out of town. I ended the phone call making a note to go over there tomorrow to clear the air about me being a robber and all that. Once I went to bed that night though, things got crazy. I woke up at around 2 hearing a sort of light scratching sound that almost sounded like, I don't know, ticking coming from outside the window. At first I thought that it might have been a bird or some sort of, uh, I don't know, a creature and I left it alone. But the noise kept me from falling asleep and I wanted to scare it away so I got up and went to open the blinds but screamed when I lifted the blinds at the sight of Miss Rose trying to pry the window open with a pair of pliers. Once she saw me though, she started banging on the window with the pliers. The dog started barking now and I quickly got up, told the dogs to follow me, grabbed my phone and ran to a room with no windows, which was the bathroom, locking the door in case she got in. I called 911 and explained the situation quickly, giving them the address from what I could remember. She said that the police would be there in 10 minutes, which for the area was actually pretty good considering their house is pretty rural. 
I had gotten the dogs to be quiet and put them in the closet connected to the bathroom to make sure that she didn't hear them. I was trying to stay calm and I could still hear the pounding on the window though. As I continued to talk to the operator, I then heard the glass shatter. I cursed under my breath trying not to cry. I mean, I was really scared and pretty much ready to cry from the fear of being beaten to death by someone who was clearly not in the right state of mind. I was whispering what was happening to the operator, hiding in the back of the bathroom in the tub, and after about four minutes of pretty much silence, I then heard footsteps, and I could see feet under the other side of the door, and I cursed to myself again. I then see Miss Rose get onto her hands looking under the crack, and I mistakenly let out a gasp. She gets up quickly, pounding at the door. I can tell that she's still using the pliers. I am at this point crying, asking the operator where the police are, to which she responds three minutes. And those three minutes, man, they felt like forever. I screamed at Miss Rose to please go away and she screamed back that I shouldn't be here. Once I heard the sound of police cars and about a minute later them trying to kick the door down, I felt a little bit better. I was told to stay on the line till the intruder was caught and that police were not trying to get into the house. Eventually, they did get into the house though and I yelled to get their attention, not that they needed it. She was still banging on the door at this point. Once they got into the room, she was told to drop her weapon and she obeyed saying that she didn't do anything wrong. They got her in cuffs and a police officer told me that it was okay to unlock the door, to which I slowly got up and unlocked it. After being taken to the police station and giving them my story for their report... I went to my parents' house because I was just too scared to be alone at this point. The next day, I called Mrs. Brown and explained the situation. I got full payment even after telling them that I wasn't going back to the house. They called me a few days later saying that Miss Rose was under the influence of drugs apparently and in her words, she told the police that she decided to take care of the robber, me, herself and that she did nothing wrong. She was charged with breaking and entering, which is kind of ironic. But after that, I quit dog sitting for good. And am a lot more paranoid and always make sure that my doors and windows are locked these days. So this evening, I had an experience with something that's followed my wife and I through several moves that we've come to terms with knowing that it's attached to either of us or something that we own and that it's going to keep following us unless we do something to get rid of it. We simply call it the Pika, but the Pika is of unknown origin. For as long as my wife and I have been living together, 2012, we've had experiences with it too. Starting off while we were just dating, neither of us told the other that we saw it. You know, not wanting to sound too crazy to the other. We've both had paranormal experiences separately before we got together, but it wasn't until we moved in together that things escalated a bit. We realized that the house that we were living in was haunted by more than one thing, and slowly we talked more and more about those things, and we were having matching experiences. It was great to feel validated, I guess you could say, that somebody else saw and felt and experienced the same crazy moments, but... Also mildly frightening because, you know, like ghosts and stuff. Well, anyway, the Pika got its name from what it does. 
for the most part, it's a shadowy silhouette of a person that we would catch peeking around corners or from behind furniture through windows and doorways, etc., before ducking out of view just as you turn to look at it. It doesn't always duck out of view fast enough though and we see glimpses of it. One of its best tricks is when it peeks out at you from a mirror, like the mirror is really just another window or something. That always gives me a good scare as well. What's also been validating is that our dog has reacted to it as well on several occasions, as well as the pets of some of our roommates that we've had over the years. Through several years of different apartments and different rented homes, it's come along with us to all of them. And because it just gives us a, a bit of a jump scare and hasn't tried to harm us in any way, we've just sort of cohabited with it, I guess you could say. Well, tonight is the first time that it has severely shocked and scared me, though. I was watching a show on Netflix called The Midnight Club. Pretty decent series, by the way. And I've got the lights low in the room to add to the fright factor. My wife is watching something else in another room, so it's just me, my snacks, and my comfy recliner while I'm watching. Things are getting a little intense, and I'm sort of subconsciously rocking my chair ever so slightly. The episode's gotten to a pretty visually dark scene, so I can faintly see myself in the chair that I'm in reflecting in the low light of the screen. And that was when I see a silhouette moving, rising from behind and to the right of me. As soon as I start to turn to look... I see two large, very not shadow white hands grab the side of my seat, forcibly stop my rocking, pulling the chair back, and thrust its face around the back of the chair to just inches from mine before disappearing into nothingness. That was the most physical experience that I've had with the Pika or anything, and probably any other paranormal entity that I've come into contact with as well. Not only was it very up close and personal with me, but it grabbed my seat, stopped my rocking, and jerked the seat back. Needless to say, I stopped my show and turned the lights on while I mentally processed what the heck just happened. Then, I detailed everything out to my wife before sharing it with all of you guys here. Anyway, I really don't know what to do from here. It seems like whatever this is is getting worse and... I don't understand why. What do you guys think that I should do and have any of you guys had anything similar happen? If you have, I would love to know that I'm not alone. So I have a friend, a 27 year old male, who told me a fascinating story about lucid dreaming one day. He explained that his father had taught himself to lucid dream every night, a skill that I was highly envious of. His father apparently taught him how to do it when he was 15 or so, by drawing dots on his hands and looking at them throughout the day so that eventually when he was dreaming, he could look at his hand and not see the dots, allowing him to realize that he was dreaming. This is a common technique for inducing lucid dreams and something that I tried but never for long enough to actually stick to it. As a teenager, he learned to lucid dream on command, just like his father every night. He explained that it was more thrilling than any drug that he had ever taken because he had full control over every scenario and could construct any environment of his wildest imagination. 
he could have his way with any person that he imagined, obtain superpowers like flying, invisibility, teleport to any place that he wanted to, or visit alien worlds, etc. It was pure bliss and he explained to me that he ended up sleeping all throughout the day at times because his dream world was more exciting than reality. He did this every night for more than a year or so until things started to get a bit strange. You see, he told me that he started to notice a hooded figure in the periphery of his vision, but whenever he tried to look at the figure, it would walk out of his field of vision. The figure first appeared very far away in the distance from him, but every night after the first sighting, the hooded figure would return to his dream, but closer to him and still always outside of his central view. He could never really focus on the figure or see its face, so he couldn't tell if it was supposed to be human or something else. Once the figure started appearing closer to him though, he would be filled with an overwhelming sense of dread and felt less control over his dream environment. Eventually too, he finally felt terrified to fall asleep knowing that the figure would get even closer and seemingly harm him as he sensed the evil nature of this faceless figure. He ended up fighting sleep every night to prevent dreaming and turned into an insomniac which he still is to this day. He told me that he doesn't lucid dream anymore and... I'm not sure how he unlearned it, but he hasn't seen the hooded figure since then. It's a pretty creepy story that really stuck with me and a caveat to trying to learn to lucid dream every night. You might grow to regret it when things get out of control, like they did for my friend. I'm still in contact with this friend, so if any of you guys are interested in questions for me to ask him, then I'd be happy to. Just leave them in the comment section below and... I'll see what I can do. So I, a 16-year-old female, found out recently that my grandmom was in the graduating class at Revere High School of 1978. At that time, she was 18 and this story came out because she said something when I told her about the new series on Netflix. Now, you guys should know who I'm talking about. I told her about it and she goes, oh yeah, I remember him and I obviously told her that a lot of people know him because, you know, of all the things that he's done and all that. And she stops me and goes, no, no, I actually graduated with him. I stood there completely frozen. Now, she showed me the yearbook picture, but I don't know if I'm comfortable sharing that on the internet because I don't want people to find out information about my family and all that. But I couldn't lie about this, especially this. I mean, it would be terrible to do that. So, I'll tell you some things that she told me though. This was about two weeks ago, so I'll try and remember what she said word for word. This is how it went. Now, I did go to high school with him, but there were so many kids in that school. I barely even talked to him. Everything you hear about him from high school is basically the 100% truth. He was the definition of weird. He would actually come to school drunk on some days. The only reason that some people started to notice who he was was because he would spaz out as some sort of a joke and he would act like a kid with special needs almost. I don't remember if I had any memorable conversations with him but I do remember one specific time I saw him in the hallway. I'd only heard about what he's done but I didn't know if it was actually true so I asked him, aren't you the boy who puts on those acts in the hallways? Yes, I am, he said. Why? Do you find me funny? Well, sure, everyone does. 
I've never really seen you though. I've only heard the stories people tell. Just wanted to know if it was you. Well, you're right. It is me. Glad you find my jokes enjoyable. And he smiled at me. Not a, a toothy smile, but a grin, I guess. I don't remember talking to him again after that. That was towards the end of the school year. Then the school year ended, and to my luck, he actually appeared in my college. He got kicked out shortly after for, I think, a drinking problem. I never knew of his family life, frankly. I didn't want to know, but I could tell that it wasn't good, and perhaps that's why he was drinking. I never saw him again after that. Well, actually, I did, but it was on TV. When I found out what he did, though, I can't even begin to describe how I felt about it, being the fact that I kind of, sort of, well, knew him a bit and went to school with him. I'm not saying that he was normal. I mean, with anybody that turns out like this, people normally say, I could never see them doing this. But it disgusted me in ways that I can't describe. The first thing the news said was that they caught somebody who they described as a murderer. And later on, they let out the details of what he actually did, and that's what really shook people. Seeing the new series really helps people understand how disgusting that man is. And well, it shows you what he went through, I guess, as well. It doesn't make you feel bad for him, which nobody should. I'm glad that he went out the way that he did. Maybe if I didn't ask him the question that day, I, I wouldn't have felt so uneasy about the whole thing. But yeah, I did, and that's what happened. So yeah, that's basically it in a nutshell from my grandmom, and that's what she told me. I can tell that my mother feels uneasy when she talks about it too, but I'm guessing my grandmother has told her already, and... Anyway, it's weird how small this world is and how you just know people who know people and I guess you just never know that somebody could be a serial killer. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. 
New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>